was in Jerome, a ghost town in Arizona. The old hospital was said to be particularly haunted. I went there with my two aunts. They're actually amateur ghost hunters, so they have all kinds of crazy equipment. Well, there's a tree out in front of the hospital where a little kid supposedly died. So I went over and I was waving the EMF reader around. I started to get some readings, so I was reaching up higher into the tree when I felt very distinctly a hand tugging at the back of my shorts like a little kid trying to get my attention. But when I turned around, there was nobody there. Submitted by Misty. All you folks out there in the hinterlands, it's Rockin' Max, and we're going to drop true tales of terror on this episode of Nightmares and Daydreams, y'all. Hey, lovely listeners, rocks right. On this episode, we're dropping some more homegrown tales of horror submitted by you. Yes. Our awesome listeners and subscribers. Get ready to listen to some Listener's Tales, Volume 2. Yes, yes, y'all. We asked and you delivered, party people. We got some cryptids, we got some fairy encounters, we got some ghostly tales, like the opening story. Thanks again for the submission, Misty. And Jerome, Max, we've both been there, amigo. Lovely place. Lovely in the daytime, true. (laughs) But, of course, this was before we were doing the podcast. True. We just walked around, had a few beers, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you do. You know, it's a cool place, and it was once dubbed the wickedest town in America by the New York Times. Some great views from that place, though, Max, am I right? It's an old copper mine, right? You're correct, man. The Jerome Grand Hotel is another hotspot. Though, the bar we went to, the Spirit Room, has some pretty great stories coming out of there as well. The bartender told me he only worked the day shift because stuff got really weird after dark. Wow. Especially if you're closing the bar alone. Yikes. Sounds like mugshots. <laughs> we, should, <laughs> we should do a show in Jerome one day. They have a killer Halloween party, or so I have read. So Jerome is pretty close to the Mogollon Ram. It is. Which means the Mogollon Monster is somewhere out there. <laughs> Just waiting, (laughs) eating beef jerky. AZ's very own aggressive Bigfoot-type monster, which we talked about on our Holiday Freestyle episode. You know, Max, we should do an AZ trip one day. Northern AZ. Phoenix is just too damn hot. But we love our Phoenix listeners, y'all. At least they got zero humidity, right? It's a dry heat, or so they say. (laughs) And as always, we ask that you guys like, follow, and review our podcast. Please. Please keep sharing Nightmares and Daydreams love. Love, 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 love. It means a lot to us, gang. That it does. Party people, please continue granting us the boon of that five-star review at whatever podcatcher you listen to us on. I know we sound like that proverbial broken record, but it really is Super important, rating and reviewing our podcast literally helps us climb the charts and get out to the like-minded people. Thanks in advance, y'all. Are we ready for the next story? You know I was born ready, sucker. Hey, guys. I heard about your podcast on Jim Harold's Campfire. I was going to tell the story on there, but since you're local Austin guys, I thought it would be better. 
Love your show, by the way. I had never heard of Dogman before this happened, so I didn't know at the time what else to call it other than werewolf. But obviously, it's a little embarrassing to tell people you saw a werewolf. I mean, I would have looked at me crazy too. But anyway, this was in the early 2000s, 2003, actually because I was just starting college for the first time. I was moving to Texas from Illinois to go to UT, and I was with my parents. They were helping me bring some stuff down from my dorm room. I've always kind of liked supernatural stuff, but I don't know if I believed in it, strictly speaking. But my parents are super straight-laced and don't believe in anything they don't have physical proof of. My mom is a nurse and my dad was a sergeant in the army and now he's in insurance. But like I said, both are no-nonsense kinds of people. Anyway, we were coming down I-35 but pulled off to get some gas in the town of West Texas. My dad didn't want to stop in Dallas because he said getting on and off the highway would be a pain. And we saw this place called the Little Czech Bakery and decided to get some snacks as a bonus. We didn't really know it at the time, but I guess it's like a well-known place to stop at. We got some kolaches, which were really good. My dad filled the car up and we are just pulling out when this figure ran toward us from up the road, just running down the access road, but like really fast. At first I thought it was a person, but then it ran into the light of our headlights and I swear to God it had a dog's head. I started screaming and I think my mom screamed too. My dad just like gunned the engine like he was trying to hit it, which made me scream again. But it ran past us and down the road and my dad took off. We had to head back north and loop around under the underpass before getting back on the freeway. And I remember looking back the whole time terrified. My mom and dad really won't talk about it with me, but I swear it was a dog man. Later, I read about the Beast of Bray Road and was like, that's it. Unfortunately, there weren't any iPhones or anything back then. I wish I could have taken a picture. Submitted by Ramona, Austin, Texas. First off, we'd like to send a huge thank you to the podfather himself, Jim Harold, for letting Rock tell a story and share our podcast on his campfire show. Thanks so much, Jim. Totally. Jim is the man. You rule, Jim. We paranormal podcasters got to stick together. Well said. And now on to Ramona's tell. You see, Max? Dogmen are coming out the woodwork, son. And West Texas? Like the town west in Texas, not West Texas, y'all. Just a little up the road from Waco. Which in turn is only a little way up the road from Austin. You thinking what I'm thinking? Road trip! Max, I done told you I ain't going on no expedition to find no dog man, okay? <laughs> like, this is old news to our listeners, baby. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I hear Waco has some awesome barbecue places. I mean, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. just to tempt you a little bit. Look at you trying to bribe me. <laughs> Sorry, Max, we got some great barbecue places here at the ATX. You know this. Nope. Have fun in West, Texas looking for the dog man, sucker. Bring my silver sword. Yeah, you do that. Don't nobody... Want nothing to do with no dogman sightings, Max. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. I'm kind of lying. I love reading and hearing about them. The dogman is basically the modern day werewolf, right? True. It's a werewolf without other, you must be crazy, <laughs> bag is attached to it. Listen, if we want to get technical, we could say upright walking canine, but that doesn't have the same flavor. 
doesn't have the same spices as Dogman, Max. So Ramona was on her way to UT, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. How cute, right? You know, Ramona, you probably had to deal with Max back then. He was running the software store at the UT co-op. <laughs> Unless, of course, he was at Le Fun getting beaten by yours truly at video games. Hydro Thunder, anybody? Or having second breakfast at Wendy's in the student union. Those were the days. <laughs> she was probably like, who's that guy banging on that baseball video game? Like, you ain't lying. Who's the guy that won't let me return my software? <laughs> Show is sad. All right, right. Don't bring up old stuff. Too late. Talking about Dogman here. What are your thoughts on Ramona sighting, actually? Dude, if her pops, a military man, is unwilling to talk about it, you know what happened. <laughs> He's all Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. And the truth is... They saw a werewolf, Max. The fact that he won't admit it proves it's true. Absolutely. No dude in a suit, just, you know, harassing folks near the highway. That's a dangerous game up here in Texas, Max. You know, folks are packing. But anything's possible. Well, I mean, true. People are idiots and hoaxers are out there. But dogman sightings are becoming more and more commonplace. As I said before, in my opinion, there are two main sources for dogman knowledge. Linda Godfrey and our boy Dark Waters. Go check those two paranormal gangsters out if y'all want some serious knowledge and some truly scary stories regarding dogman encounters, y'all. Ramona, we're just glad you avoided the dogman and made it to UT. <laughs> Thanks again for submitting your story, by the way. You rock, Ramona. And on to the next. I guess I stepped on a stray sod somewhere in the woods and was ferried away for a few hours. Scariest experience of my life. And I work in a sketchy area of the city too, so that's saying something. I knew the woods and the pathways, but decided to wander off into the bush. And the bush is thick and wild where I am in Manitoba, Canada. It's a long story, but basically I was out camping and went against my usual morning habits. It's almost like I was hypnotized to go out in the woods at that time of the morning. I didn't go to the washroom, brush my teeth, have any breakfast. I left my phone behind, still in the same clothes from the day before. I didn't even drink any water. I had the strongest pull to go out and leave it all behind. So I did. I got out there, wandered off the main path into some thick bush, turned around to the path I came from, and was making my way back to the entrance to go back to my tent, but the entrance was gone. The entrance was a paved path in, but turned to grass once you got to a certain point. I made it past that point, expecting to get to the paved path back, and there was nothing. The grass kept going and going and going. I turned around thinking maybe I confused myself, but I knew where the pathway was. So I ended up going up and down each pathway that branched out from a sort of central crossroads into the forest. The pathways just kept going and going. They were literally never ending. Never ending. Never ending. I tried to follow the sound of the highway to get to a major roadway and find my way back. But each time I got closer to the sound, the sound slipped back the other way. So I gave up. I tried the pathways again. That was useless. Still the same endless pathways as before. In the distance, I heard the garbage men clearing up the park. So I started screaming for help. I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. So I kept going up and down the paths, up and down the never-ending paths, 
making it nowhere in particular. The woods were infinite and looked quite a bit different from our native forest here. The trees seemed bigger, older. During all of this, I could get into a paranoid thought that something was going to come out of the woods to eat me, that there was a wolf man in the woods prowling, waiting. I also kept thinking to myself that the fairies were dancing with me, that they were messing with me. I'm never going to get out of here. I'm going to die here. They'll find my body out here 50 years from now. I also kept getting the odd feeling that maybe I should take off my shoes. I don't even think that was my own thoughts. Luckily, I went against it because now I've heard that quite a few missing 411 stories on where search teams find the person's shoes out there in the wilderness. And that's all they find. Stuff was getting scary. I started pleading, praying, and begging whatever deity I could think of. Eventually, I sat down at the center of the crossroads and just begged my way out. I said I was sorry. I didn't know what I did to have this happen. At that point, I was starting to resign myself to my fate since I really did think I was never going to get out and I was going to die there. I stood up and went to find the entranceway again, which was where the never-ending pathways through the fairy woods was. There it was again. The main pathway back to humanity was there. So I ran all the way back to my tent. I was trapped for a good few hours. It didn't feel that long to me. This was five years ago now. Last year, I went with a friend to check the area out, and it looks completely different, like the woods got up and moved around. I've had many strange experiences in my life, but this was by far the scariest. Submitted by Redditor, The Lurker, 204. That was a wicked story. And I'm glad this person didn't take their shoes off. They were right. Many times in the missing 411 cases, all they find of the missing person are the shoes. That's horrifying. And I wonder what would have happened if the person would have turned their clothes inside out or put their shoes on the opposite feet or whatnot. Dude, that's interesting. And that, according to the lore, y'all, is one of the ways to protect yourself from fey influence if you happen to be traveling through a forest or wooded area where they hold sway. Well, that, and of course, don't eat the food. What if that person would have found a plate of delicious breakfast and coffee? Just kind of sitting there waiting for them. (laughs) Well, and we know they didn't eat breakfast, right? They just hauled ass out of the tent. No coffee, no water, no phone. It was the perfect setup. I'm going to lie, Max. I see a plate of delicious barbecue with the quality (laughs) craft beer just right there in front of me waiting. Hmm. Yeah, you're lost and gone forever. (laughs) That would be sad. I would hope that you would at least come and look for your boy. I'd find your shoes, you know. (laughs) My boots. (laughs) But you might escape yourself one day only to find what seemed like three days in ferry was really hundreds of years. And all my friends and family would be lost and gone forever. Mess not with the fae people. They'll kidnap you, your baby, play your damn fiddle, drink all your whiskey, at least according to the lore. They'll also trick you out of the crock of gold. And let's keep this train rolling, gang. Max, you ready? On to the next. Our next submitter, Victor, sent two stories. Good job, Vic. Let's dive in, gang. There's an area out on my land in the woods with some mounds. I don't know if they're Indian burial mounds or what. I've never dug into them. 
Supposedly, archaeologists explored the area years ago and found tons of artifacts, but I don't know all the details. Anyway, most of the 11 acres is wooded, and we have trails through it. Some made by us, and some are animal trails, but we use them too. My wife runs on them. It's safer than the roads out there, which don't have any shoulder to run on. And I use them just to walk the property to check things out. There's a clearing out there near the mounds I was talking about, and I try to keep the clearing mode. I was out there one day and saw what I can only describe as a shadow person moving across the clearing. I felt a sense of dread. Honestly, I was so scared, I just left the mower there and ran back to the house. It was tall, six or seven feet, I think, and human shape, but just a dark shadow, no solid body. My wife saw it too, and she said she was never running near there again. My son also saw it. Both said that they felt the same terror that I felt. Maybe it's a Native American ghost. Maybe it's something that was never human. I don't know what it was. I've never heard of anything like it. And now on to Victor's second story. In recent years, I've done a lot of digging and land development work to make some extra money. I have the equipment, so it seems like a reasonable, easy way to make money. Well, not easy, but straightforward, I guess. A lot of times if I'm digging a pond or cattle tank or just taking down some trees or something, neighbors will come and watch and shoot the breeze and whatnot. So one day I'm on my backhoe and I catch sight of someone just standing next to a big tree by the fence out of the corner of my eye. I assume it's my neighbor and get off the backhoe to go talk a bit, take a break. But when I get over there, there's no one there. I think to myself, where the hell did he go? But I kind of shrug it off and get back to work. Then I see it again out of the corner of my eye. And this time I don't stop, figuring they can just wait till I get to a stopping point. But when I do get to a stopping point, there's no one around. Now, I'm starting to get a little annoyed, but whatever. I get back to work and I see it again. And this time I look over there and I see a Native American man dressed like a chief standing over by the tree watching me. I was shocked and I glanced away because when I looked back again, he was gone. Submitted by Victor, Austin, Texas. So a shadow person that brought a sense of dread when first sighted and a Native American chief watching him dig up his land. Hmm. Victor, good old Vic, Vicky boy. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that you live on some haunted land, old son. I mean, mounds and archaeologists finding artifacts of this place. Mm. <laughs> yeah, gonna take a whole lot of sage to clear that land. Now, we've all heard about shadow people, right? The interesting thing is that the intense fear Vic felt when he first sighted the entity, man, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, because not every shadow person elicits the immediate fear response, right? Correct, man. I mean, they're inherently freaky, but some, from what I've heard, are just watchers. But like Vic sighting, some, however, do instill that instant sense of dread. And all that said, Max, that's some intense outdoor paranormal activity on Victor's land. I wonder if it's in his house as well. That we don't know. You'd figure he would have said something. I mean, the outdoors is one thing, but the place you live being haunted, that's another. 
Yo, when it's so bad, you leave your mower out there just running? I mean, it left quite the impression, obviously. I just hope he told his wife and kid about the shadow people before they saw them. For sure, man. You know, I hope he did. But I figure if he didn't tell her or the kid, it was probably because he didn't want to scare him. Still, forewarned is forearmed, right? Knowing is half the battle. If G.I. Joe taught us anything, they taught us that. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I think we're done, y'all. You ain't lying, Max and party people. We are already collecting stories for Listener's Tales Volume 3. Contact us at our website or holler at us by email at nightmarespodcast at gmail.com. Ghosts, phantoms, which I guess is kind of the same thing. Cryptids, curses, it don't matter, y'all. We want to share your paranormal shenanigans. Keep them coming. For sure. We love the lore, y'all, but we love y'all stories the best. Mm-hmm. And a big thanks, of course, to all the folks who already submitted stories for this episode. Absolutely, Max. Well, gang, as always, thanks for hanging out with Max and myself. And if we could take your mind off all the wackiness during these trying times, we, as we say, have done our job. Thank you for supporting the podcast, people. Another way to support the show is head on over to buymeacoffee.com and search Nightmares Podcast for an invigorating one-time donation. You guys literally help us keep the lights on, or at least the coffee machine. And like Max said, you like lights, don't you? Guys, also head over to patreon.com forward slash Nightmares Podcast for exclusive content. Tears start at a buck a month, and y'all can cancel anytime. We got Max's Mythology for folks' sake, rocks relaxing reads, additional episodes, and new music by the great and powerful Teresa Joy. Speaking of the best bard in the business, Teresa Joy gives us that amazing sound and music that so many of you have commented on. Find and follow her at Viobrite, that's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E on Facebook and Instagram. And find even more amazing music at her own website, TeresaJoyMusic.com. Finally, gang, head on over to our own damn website at NightmaresPodcast.net and holla at your boys, as Max is wont to say. We'd love to hear from you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and... Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.